Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy, as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website, as well as on this podcast. Recently, we had Adrian Nixon of Nixon Publishing on as a guest on the Xterra podcast, and that got us pretty excited about the potential of graphene in space commerce applications. So today we're going to dig a little bit deeper and find out how companies can commercialize the research that's been taking place in that industry. My guest is Ray Gibbs, Director of Commercialization and Graphene 2D Materials for the University of Manchester, Graphene Engineering Innovation Center. And Ray, thanks for joining me from the UK today. Thank you, Tom. Good to be here. Now, based on what we've been seeing on our website, on your website, rather, there appear to be four primary areas of near-term commercialization of graphene in space commerce. Those are energy, structures, filtration, and sensors. Is that a fair assessment? Um, you're not far off the mark, Tom. That's about right. So give us an insight then into these areas, and let's start out with energy. What is happening in the field of energy as it relates to graphene? Well, I think if you go back and look at what the satellites up in the up in the atmosphere do at the moment, you'll find that without them, um, the internet things wouldn't work. Um, you'd have no issue. You'd have no sat nav. Your your um, web wouldn't work, and, and and so many other things that we take for granted on a day by day basis. And energy is a primary driver for making all of those things happen, from having batteries, from having photovoltaic sales and the likes. And it is a massively harsh environment. We're talking of temperature ranges in the sunlight of plus 193 degrees C to outside of the sunlight in dark of 192 degrees minus C. This is really, really, really important. And it does happen to, 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 to take the insides of the satellite apart if you're not careful with, with controlling it. And no, no more so than in the battery life. So, um, we need to protect the batteries, we need to protect the insides of the satellite uh, because there's X-rays, gamma rays, photons, and all sorts of other nasty, horrible things that, that attack, the, attack the systems. Um, and advanced materials, therefore, are used for shielding. But they're more importantly as well, they're used for energy systems. You've got lithium-ion batteries, you've got supercapacitors. Supercapacitors is a really interesting new development in using advanced materials, graphene, and others, MXCs and so on, where supercapacitors are a quick boost of energy to start something off. So if you wanted to move something around in, in the satellite, you could do that quickly. And it, then the, the supercapacitor drains quickly, but it recharges quickly as well, particularly where you get sunlight coming in through the photovoltaics. Um, and really, it's all about getting energy harvesting, making sure that the sunlight that you get is actually great for, for importance uh, of, of keeping people, life, and, and, and the whole systems going on the, on, on the satellites themselves. And that's where uh, advanced materials and graphene plays a big, a big part. You can see the, the satellites with the massive transponders and, and, and the great big uh, antennas out there capturing the sun's rays to convert the energy from the sun's rays in, 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 into battery life and power. So very important. Advanced materials plays a massive part in that. Uh, and it has done for many years. 
And part of that too, I think, is the conductivity that is um, represented by graphene. It's a very, it, it conducts electricity very well. It is a phenomenal conductor of electricity. Um, however, when you start to put graphene, uh, should I explain a little bit about what graphene is? Does, do people know what that's going to be? We got, um, a, we got a brief explanation from Adrian, but please go if, ahead. If I was to say to you that one, um, one graphene layer, which is atomically very thin, 64 angstroms thin, put that into perspective, 3 million sheets of graphene is one millimeter thick. So that is that just puts it into perspective, and and the surface area of graphene is phenomenal. So we're dealing with things in the micron or the nanometer scale, which is one billionth of a meter in size. So it's infinitesimally small. Um, but from that perspective, one needs to um, to to work out what's going on. So um, in terms in terms of conductivity, yes, conductivity is phenomenally useful. It can provide. Um, a, Basically, the, the satellite can, can provide the satellite with a, a means and, and benefits of uh, of protecting the, the, the systems fr from these, these inbound rays. Um, and in, in terms of the conductivity itself, you get to the stage where you're looking at things and think, how can I make this more conductive? Can, can I do something from an EMI shielding, an electrical magnetic inference shielding? And that's what um, uh, graphene and other structures can do. So a very important piece, um, and, and yeah, you've got you've got many many things going on in, in 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 the satellite. And don't forget, it costs a lot of money to get satellites into space. So you need to make sure that they're very lightweight as best they possibly can. Um, and graphene can help with the start straight off point there. But I mean, I'm just making a, a little bit of an extra for you in that it does create a massive improvement in the structural st stiffness and strength of of, of materials. Let's explore that a little bit more. How does okay. that? Um, how, how does that? How does graphene make things structurally a better product? So, in terms of a composite, which is a mixture of many different um, materials, graphene can add what we call interlaminar shear. It can create an increase in the in the fibers of a composite material, so that they they are much much better and they don't don't rip apart under stress and strain. And it does that by adhering itself to both ends of the fibers, provided you make sure that you've got homogeneous dispersion of the of, of the of the graphene into the fibers. And that's a, not an easy thing to say, not quite so quite easy to do. Um, and that's been exercising many people for a long time. But we've now got to the stage where that does work. It can be done, and you end up with a situation where composite materials do produce, and there are a number of, um, of examples in industry today in the, in, in, in the world where composite fibers are far, far more stiffer and stronger than, than that on, on their own by using nanomaterials in, in a very clever way. Next is filtration, and I'm talking about for both fluids and gases. What does graphene do in the realm of, of filtration? Well, if you think about it, when people are on in space, fluids are pretty important, mm -hmm. both in terms of of, of ingestion and, and and removal. And so, filtration, um, gra graphene has the ability to to virtually stop anything going through it if you actually um, make it make it in a proper way. So, from on from, from photons to anything you want. And so, there are a number of techniques where you have 
what we call very, very small pores within the graphene sheets that you can create so that what you want to go through, H2O, for example, and all the other nasties that exist in something from, a, from an exterior perspective, salts, um, other, other elements, can be excluded and kept away so you can create fresh drinking water. And that's useful for the military, for example, in harsh environments where they need some 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 of these things. So that that help helps people to create a turnaround. And there are methodologies within the space industry that they they use um, um, water making machines and so on. Filtration is key in that respect. Not only is it useful in that, it can actually be used to sort out carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And other and other elements, so you can filter filter out um, that, and create create more of an oxygenated su surface. Um, and we're talking of things which are removing particles um, and up more below fifty nanometers in its size, and it's it's a very very small particulate that you're talking about. And that's where a uh, clever use of a filtration system, which is added maybe to an existing system, it's there. It's going to import. It's going to make a, a big important move. And finally, sensors. What is the application for graphene as it relates to sensors? Graphene has a fantastically high surface area. Uh, one gram of graphene in its truest form is two thousand six hundred and thirty square meters a gram. Wow! It's massive, massive. Take two football pitches, for example. It's huge. Now that surface area generates an ability to detect very, very small particulate changes through the electron movement when it hits, when these particles hit the sensor. So you can get very, very clever and very, very, very sensitive uh, sensors that you need to do to detect, to de detect um, particulates that are um, aggressive into the, into the systems that you, you can see. Um, Sensors as well can be used to mon monitor body body temperatures and and very important when you've got astronauts up there you're looking to make sure that their their sensors make make sure that their their heart beating their their respiratory uh, tracks are good uh, and body um, is is functioning properly with blood blood flowing properly as well so sensors are critical in that but take it to a next stage in the right spots they can check and measure structural degradation so you end up with a with a and we all know that spacecrafts have a limited lifespan right mm -hmm. so if you're looking at that you can a sensor will check um, to look at changes in the structural uh, integrity of, of, of the spacecraft and and through very clever algorithms and ai you can predict the, the, the ultimate failure of the craft and if you don't do anything with it so sensors key key for that Plus, also you've got the harmful buildup of gases within within the structures that you're looking to do. So again, a sensor does does all of those things. Now they are available at the moment, um, and they are available commercially. But graphene, with its fat, fantastic uh, surface area, does allow that sensor to be even more sensitive than necessarily is today. How is it that this kind of and I almost want to call it a super compound because it does so many things. <laughs> Yes, but, it does. But but how is it that a simple thing like a carbon atom can be modified to do so many different things? So um, there are two methodologies to creating graphene. Graphene is is um, 
carbonaceous material, you're absolutely right, and it's dug out of the ground and it's formed from what you and I know as pencil lead or pencils, carbon. Um, but by very clever exfoliation of the, of the graphene sheets, you end up with a situation where you can get down to very, very thin layers of, of graphene sheet, two, three, four layers thin. <clears throat> and that's, those, those materials are used commercially today. So your 4P150's got it in, in, in into acoustic hoods and, and, and a range of other things. And there's a number of graphene um, elements that goes into the back of a, of, a, of a phone to manage the battery life. It's another aspect that could be very key, key and useful for, for, for industry and, and also the space side too. Um, but when you look at it as well, the other way of doing it is to, you take methane and you crack the hydrocarbons and you it at, at high temperature, 900 degrees Celsius, and it then reforms onto the surface of a, of, a, of a copper substrate and you then take it off and you use it. But that's not at this moment in time commercially available. So most, much of the graphene that we see in existence today, um, all is used by digging, digging out of the ground in terms of, of effectively graphite. Um, and how do you change it? You change it by doing what we call functionalization. You add chemicals to the ends and surfaces of the material, and those chemicals are compatible with something that you're putting it into, a matrix that you're adding it to. So very, by very clever manipulation, you can then make sure that the carbon atoms themselves absolutely disperse into a resin system if you're looking to do that sort of thing or, or whatever. So that's, that's really where we go. And, and, uh, and we've done some amazing things in Manchester on concrete, for example, mm -hmm. which um, concrete is one of the biggest polluters of CO2 in the world today. Eight to 10% of, uh, of all the carbon, carbon uh, emissions come from concrete. Mm. So if you look at it, by adding uh, this, this, this material, I hate to use the word wonder material because it's not actually wonder material, but, it, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty damn good. Um, you, you end up with a situation where uh, because the graphene is, and we talked about thermal, didn't we, managing the heat dissipation right. and so on and so forth, uh, what you can do is that, that will manage what we call the exothermic reaction of the concrete, and therefore what you, what you end up with is something that cures quicker, which means okay. you can build faster. But not only that, there are other consequences of a positive nature too, in that the concrete becomes um, more capable of being what we call compressive in its strength. So less gives you the same result. So if you're very clever, you can start removing uh, uh, the, steel, the steel rods that go into concrete themselves. So lots and lots of good things about that. I didn't mention, by the way, the thermal effect of, of, of graphene in terms of managing heat. There's some clever technology that allows certain things to switch on a structure which copes with being able to radiate heat or thermally absorb heat depending upon whether you're in the sun or out of the sun and okay. that's really important for the structural integrity of the spacecraft but when you go back to the concrete aspect of it that really has exciting applications perhaps for use of in situ materials to do construction on the moon and on mars uh correct because you can therefore take uh, let it, it costs less um one of the one of the uh, one of the items that we've got going on in Manchester at the moment is we are generating what we call a space hub or a space hotel. Um, very clever um, postdoc research associate is, is building a composite structure as a, if you like, as a pod that sits next to um, some of the satellites up there and then can take people. And you can then use that as a hop to the next level. And, and, and 
because the cost of getting stuff up up into space is so so significant. Um, so reusable rockets are important, uh, but more importantly than than that is, is is a case of using less material to get a better benefit, which is where concrete comes from, lighter weighting of materials, composite materials, and so on. We're talking with Ray Gibbs, Director of Commercialization in Graphene 2D Materials for the University of Manchester, Graphene Engineering Innovation Center. Take a moment right now to click on subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos on Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. The University of Manchester, Ray, recently helped commercialize graphene in concrete. We've talked about that. Is there anything more that we need to talk about in the... In the realm of concrete, um, co concrete is potentially very significant. It's everywhere you look. Um, we have put it into structures on uh, in the United Kingdom in roads because um, bitumen tends to wear out effectively. So if you're adding it into a road structure, you get a better uh, a, a better hard wearing surface should say, by the way, that one of the art of the unintended consequences of having electric cars is they're all heavier than everything else out there at the moment, which means that tires wear quicker and your roads wear out quicker. And in the US, for example, your concrete roads, you end up making a lot of noise going through gaps in the concrete, right? So, so one yes. of the yes, you do. <laughs> I've been there on the I-95, trust me, I know about it. So, um, <laughs> And what, what you do is, is concrete, and that's expansion, right? But what, what right. graphene will do is stop that expansion, stop that microcracking, because it manages the surface of that. So maybe maybe in the future you end up with no, um, no road noise going through the I-95. That would eliminate the expansion joists, which, uh, which make it sound like you're dribbling a basketball sometimes. Correct. Down the road. <laughs> Correct. So, Ray, in what way can the University of Manchester help companies commercialize graphene research? Well, we do that already in, you mentioned the, the GEEK, the Graphene Engineering Innovation Centre. And what we do is we have that's about 60 to 70 million pounds worth of, of infrastructure and, and equipment that you, is used fundamentally to um, take what, what we would call technical readiness level two, which is lab-based and move that across the valley of death with a view to getting things to commercialization quicker to technical readiness level six or seven and we do that by fast experiments if it fails fail fast learn again go on and do that and that's actually something that you get if if you if you know about formula one race cars that's, that's what they do the race car that starts the, the first race in Melbourne does not the one that is going to finish in Abu Dhabi next week. It just is not. It's been iteratively improved as it, as you go. And that's because they've found stuff that failed, they've repaired it and changed it and made it, made it better. And that's what we do. So we get through what you call the valley of death very quickly. And then we take businesses' products and we move them through that valley as quickly as we possibly can with a view to saying to them, hey, here we go. We're taking it back. Off you go and then commercialize it. And that's one of my roles is to help them commercialize it in terms of mentoring the, the, the startups, the academics, getting them through, helping them with man, management, manpower and money, getting funding. Do you find occasionally that somebody comes to you with a potential use for graphene that it would not be good for? Oh my goodness me. Um, not particularly, no. Um, 
there, there's so much good things that could come out of it. It's uh, no, I don't, I don't see it as being um, a bad use of, of stuff. Advanced materials is is all is all good. Um, I have no issues with it whatsoever. It's carbon. It's the fourth or fifth most abundant material in the whole world, um, mm. and people get slightly hung up over um, it, uh, over advanced materials that are, are are very small but can't be seen. But if you stand on the side of the roadway, you get many minor particulates from the vulcanization of the rubber that you, you breathe in without knowing it too. So um, it is uh, phenomenal. Um, the filtration systems that you can end up with, by the way, are brilliant for removing, um, and there's a lot of people talking about this, is that is the, the plastic particulates that float in the oceans or float in, in, in seas that you can't see. If you can actually get filtration systems capable of coping with that, you can you can you can filter that out as well. So I don't see any bad things at all. So that's an extra question, Tom. That uh, is very nice of you to ask me. Thank you so much. Um, and, but if you think about it, NASA, ESA, and all the other space activities have spawned enormous amounts of innovation. Teflon coating for your for for, for your pots and pans, mm -hmm. and a host of other things. Um, the, the internet, the World Wide Web came out of, of, out, of, out of some of these applications as well. Um, and ceramic tiles on the, on the space shuttle as well to, 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 to dissipate heat, all those sorts of things. And there's a myriad of things that come out of, of, of all the work that's been done on that sort of application side. We, take for, we take for granted, by the way. Yes, we do. The electric screwdriver that you use probably every day came out of that NASA program. It did indeed. <laughs> Talk a little bit, Ray, about the National Graphene Institute. Uh, okay. The NGI, or the National Graphene Institute, is fun fundamentally uh, looking at graphene and other advanced materials, by the way, um, at, a f at, a, at, a, at a fundamental level, at a research level. It's looking at, and it's a £50 million building in the centre of Manchester next to the Geek, and it's looking at identifying the properties and, and enhancing the properties even further of, of the material. And it's down, it really is down to, to the atomic level. We're looking at things at the atomic level from here. And it's key to understanding uh, where it's going. Interestingly enough, by the way, researchers are moving on to the next level of, of advanced materials. Graphene is now in its commercialization phase, which is what my role is in part. Um, and there are other materials coming out, what we call MXENs, which is a titanium carbide type of material, highly conductive, different different uh, structures. And, you know, you've got um, boron nitride, which is what we call white graphene, which is which is actually insulating as opposed to conductive, So and, and all these good things. So the National Graphene Institute is a research institute fundamentally looking at basic, basic fundamental building blocks of research. So then what's the process for helping companies that come to you? So we have, um, uh, uh, well, the geek is there. My, um, my email address, I can let whoever knows that. I don't know how you go about doing that. People can write to me and I will take what they've, what they've got in terms of ideas and say, have you got a product? Is it capable of being scaled up? Uh, and do we need to change the way we look at things? If, if I can get yes to a number of those things, then the answer is we'd like to take it on and have a look. Um, and people can come to me. I get people emailing me from all around the world, all asking fundamental questions on graphene. And, and Manchester is the home of graphene. It's where it was discovered by 
Magnus Nobel laureates. So they can they can write to me at the National Graphic Institute. Um, my email address is raymond.gibbs.manchester.ac.uk. And I will put that in with our information as we post this um, on, our, on our website um, as well. I look forward to being inundated, Tom. <laughs> I look forward to you being inundated <laughs> as well. Um, this is another kind of extra question that kind of, of came to me, but where are you in the commercialization process with graphene to make it a commercially viable product? Are you at a point now where it's becoming cost-effective enough to produce that you can start getting it into a lot of these different applications? Yeah, we, uh, we, we call it, and I've been known to comment on it, being the tipping point, um, which is, yes, we are through that. If you think about it, it's in running shoes with, with 150,000 running shoes that have been sold. Um, 800 tons of graphene goes into the back of, a, a, of phone systems for, for Huawei, for example, to manage the heat. Ford have put graphene into a system for acoustic dampening of the P150. Um, and it's in about 5 million Ford cars today. And, 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 and we're not, we haven't really shouted about that very much. And, and, and these sort of things creep up on you as you go, concrete is another one. And, and when you live in the world, which is what I do, I, I, I know all about that. But many, many people living everyday lives just don't see all this. And, and there are commercial activities. There's conductive inks. There's a biomedical sensor, which is a diabetes testing sensor for your blood diabetes and so on. So, yeah, lots and lots of good things that, 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 are, that are there already um, coming out of, of a variety of things. Don't forget, graphene is. 17, 10, 10 years young from its being, being talked about. Composite materials, carbon fiber, took 30 years to commercialize. Polycarbonate, 20 years to commercialize. It takes time to commercialize new materials. And we just, we look at it and say, oh, it's, it's going to happen, it's going to happen quickly. And it does, and it's beginning to go. And the key to that is the supply chain. And the supply chain is getting uh, much more commercially oriented much more capable of supplying at a level and price that is important. Don't forget, we're adding in two various things. Concrete, for example, 0.03 of 1% by volume. Mm -hmm. Infinitesimally small number, making a massive difference. Finally, Ray, look out kind of over the next 10 to 15 years and tell me what you see in the realm of space commerce as it relates to graphene. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> Um, so I, I think enhanced imaging um, of the world we live in, it's important. We've never really seen the world up in space other than recently. So what can we do? We can look at crop, crop yields, uh, disasters. We can predict improved weather forecasts so we know where we're, we're going. Um, and we can see those weather changes. We all talk about these massive changes in the environment, but if we had much more diagnostic tools, um, I think, faster working chip, chips in, the, in, 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 in AI. Um, graphene has a massive opportunity to enhance the speed of computers. So I think that, and if you think about what um, Apollo 8, 10, and 11 went with, you know, your average iPhone has got more computing power than they, they ever had. Sure. So that's taking things further on. Um, I think there will be a move to make a space hotel talked about that to create these hubs uh, so that elon and and, and and jeff bezos and all those other people can maybe stop up there for for a quick break for a couple of days or whatever come on but more importantly it gives a, 
a stepping stone for those people to then move into uh, looking at colonizing or trying to colonize the moon and Mars and other people. And it will be way past my lifetime when that happens, Jeff, but, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, Tom, but I mean, it is the, it is the place to go. Um, and I do think that there will be a, a, a need to look at structures and understand structures better. Origami is already being used to make things happen in, a, in an extended arm way, which is very light, very important for that. But it's in space when there's no, when it's weightless, that, that arm can move and pick up big, bigger ticket things. So I, I think going forward, there's no end to the innovation that will happen. Um, I think mon money will, will help. Uh, and is being helped. I, I know that NASA, ESA, and others, and private equity is, is coming along. Um, I always remember Richard Branson saying that, 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 that carbon fiber will be the future of the aircraft industry. And everyone went, oh, and we just said it's never going to happen. Aluminum is going <laughs> to carry on. And guess where we are today? You know, carbon fiber exactly. sits there, sits there in a plane doing things like lightning strike and other things as well. So it's just phenomenal and de icing. So, Phenomenal moves, and I think there's no end. Um, I, I wish I, if I could predict where it was going, be a wealthy man. As would we all. <laughs> you mentioned the space hubs, and, and I'm reminded that in the aviation world, we have something called the $100 hamburger, which is when you get in your airplane and fly to the next airport for lunch. And now with these space hubs, perhaps you're talking about the $500,000 hamburger. I just don't know. I know, I know. <laughs> Okay. Ray, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, but we are out of time. Okay, thank you very much. Ray Gibbs is Director of Commercialization in Graphene 2 Materials for the University of Manchester Graphene Engineering Innovation Center. That is going to do it for this edition of the Xterra Podcast. You can subscribe to the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other popular podcasting platforms. Be sure to click on subscribe to be sure you don't miss an episode of the podcast or any of our other videos, you can also get daily news at xterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Pat. Thanks for joining us.